0: Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey gents, check out what I got today. I'm sporting the old school. Remember, remember this logo? OG? Wow. Is that like our first giveaway ever? The, the mug? This is this is, yeah, the old mug. Brought that thing back out today. But uh, I gotta sit here with your old mug, so why don't you guys raise your glass? Yeah. Ah.
1: Ah,
3: that's what you did there. Why are you lashing out like that? There's no need for that kind of violence. Let's get
0: going, man. We got coffee. We got Monday. We got men and women who've kept us safe. And let's say cheers to them. On behalf of the men and women. A Yeti. You've got a Yeti? I don't see a big hairy beast behind you. It's like Chewy. <laughs> I don't think you should be looking behind him, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of the men and women, uh, making podcasts to your mom's basement. And all of our good friends over at Navy Federal Credit Union. Big salute to our troops. Let's go stack some Benjamins together, shall we?
3: Yeehaw! To Homer, the Wall Street genius!
1: Hey, Homer, how come you got money to burn? Or singe, anyway. Yeah, Homer, what's your secret investment? Take a guess. Uh, pumpkins? Yeah, that's right, Barney. This year I invested in pumpkins. They've been going up the whole month of October. And I got a feeling they're going to peak right around January. And bang, that's when I'll cash in.
3: from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and are you feeling uncertain? Not just about where you left your glasses, though for me, I always assume it's in the greeting card aisle of the CVS in the sorry for the lewd Wi-Fi network name card section. I'm talking about uncertainty in life. Today, to help you know what to do in times like these, we welcome investing experts Phil and Danielle Town. For our TikTok Minute, another magical moment as usual, and in our headlines, a study based on Nobel Prize winning research says young people shouldn't save for retirement. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Tom, who wants to know what a wash sale is exactly and what triggers them. And then I'll share some foul trivia. And now, two guys who are certain to help you with uncertain times, Joe and Ojajajajj.
0: And a happy Monday to you, Stackers! I am Joe Salci, High Average Joe Money on Twitter. Man, do we got an action-packed show today! O G, this is going to be this going to be amazing. Phil and Danielle Town coming down to the basement.
1: Bringing the lumber.
3: It is bringing the wood.
1: Incredible. You never heard that Doug? Bringing
3: it. I, I have, but it's just a little suspicious. Yeah, I know. I yeah. I got to say. Bringing the lumber? Yes. Don't say bringing the wood. I said. <laughs> I got a little little difference between the two. That was where you you went a slightly askew. I got to tell you though guys,
0: this is my favorite time of year and I'm just going to play this clip and um well, this just such a fantastic time of year.
3: Down the third baseline, biggest pitch of the year here for the Mariners. Three and two, bases loaded. Seashack, the pitch. Base hit.
0: I just, I can't, I can't not watch and listen to baseball right now. It's funny because I could ignore, I'd say about three quarters of the regular season and I get to now Mm -hmm. and it's just fantastic. That was the voice of Dave Sims, by the way, in uh, Seattle.
1: Do we find it a little annoying that the, uh, you know, they expanded the playoffs and they're like, and the first game is at 1105 on Thursday morning.
3: Well, I mean, yeah, they got to get them all in. I mean, we're running out of calendar, out of weather to play baseball in, it's their own fault. They brought it oh, up yeah. so, this is by, by expanding it. 100%. So they've got to squeeze them all in. But I, I mean, I agree. But I, I mean, even back in 06 and 12, when the Tigers were in it, I remember w- having the TV on in the office watching it. Mm. Just super exciting. But it's great. I, I agree with you, Joe. Everybody knows what's on the line. And so when you get a walk off like that, it just it hits different. They're like jump scenes in horror movies. There's always that moment for or the possibility of it, of that. Oh my God moment in baseball, especially in later innings.
0: We got a lot of jump scenes in today's show. Cause we've got big headlines. We've got a TikTok minute. That's going to blow your socks off. And uh, well, Phil and Danielle town as icing on the cake uh but first before all that you know what's funny is i was watching the playoff game yesterday doug and they get to like the end of the third out and i'm like completely in it like bottom of the fifth end of the third out and you know what the guy said welcome 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 this episode sponsored by state farm you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget well look no further than state farm you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H dot slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. I was going to say, he says, we'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to the MLB on Westwood One or whatever it might be. So, does does Westwood One even cover? Does their network even cover? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I hope they do. <laughs> I don't think so. Yes. Uh, but they cover the best finance out there. So, let's get moving.
2: Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our Stacking Benjamins Headlines.
0: Our headline today comes to us from Market Watch. This uh, is probably our most requested headline we've had in some time. So, this is here by popular vote, I guess. Tons of people emailing me sending me direct messages on social media. This is written by Robert Powell. Many young people shouldn't save for retirement, says research based on a Nobel prize winning theory. Have you seen this OG? I saw
1: it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Most financial planners advise young people to start saving early. And often they write uh, for retirement so they can take advantage of the so called eighth wonder of the world, the power of compound interest and many advisors routinely urge those entering the workforce to contribute to their 401k's especially when their employers matching some portion of the amount the worker is contributing the matching contribution is essentially free money but new research indicates that many young people should not save for retirement it it covers oh gee what's called the life cycle model which suggests that what you're trying to do assuming that you are spending your money in the happiest way possible that you can at any given moment. Your goal is to optimize happiness and smooth out your spending trends. So based on that information, people that are making medium income and less should spend every dollar that they make instead of saving, which is what they do. And that (laughs) we are doing that. Great. (laughs) We've got it. We've got it down. And that because of what they call the time premium, that money that you save for later, not as good as money that you would spend on joy today. So spend your money on joy today versus putting it aside for a future you might not have.
1: Okay. And somehow somebody suggested that this is a really good idea. YOLO. Yeah. Basically, somebody researched YOLO. Right. And they're like, "This is uh, this is how we should live our lives. YOLO. I like it. That's what I do."
0: Scott said that young workers might also consider securing a mortgage. To buy a house, Scott, by the way, is the researcher, uh, rather than save for retirement. The reasons? You're borrowing against future earnings to help your consumption. Once again, you're- Basically how the American economy is founded. The whole model is based on how you want to live your life. And to fund that consumption, you buy yourself a house and you're building equity that could be used to fund future consumption, he
1: says. I don't have it handy, but I wonder how many people, I wonder what percentage of people- would do that rationally, which basically what you're saying is this is assuming that every person is a rational actor their entire lives and buys their house at 25 and pays it off at 55 and then uses the equity to fund future consumption. But what what obviously happens is that people buy their house at 25, then they buy another house at 30 and they buy another house at 35 and they buy a house at 42 and then they buy a house at 52 never having paid anything but interest to the bank this entire time (laughs) and and relying solely on the equity gain to get out of the the previous house. You know, it's not that they paid it down. They didn't use it. They, They just paid interest to the bank that whole time. I bet that there's some numbers out there, some studies out there. And I would suggest that, you know, this isn't really earth shattering. Well, it's really stupid advice, but it's not. This is what people are doing, right? It's like, it's like the average what what's the average 45 year old has $48,000 saved. You know, that's that's what they're doing presently is everyone is doing it. That's not the problem. The problem is that nobody's doing the other thing. And I would be also further curious as to if you run this game out like how does this look when you're 80 when you're no longer able to borrow to finance your lifestyle.
0: Yeah, they talk about if if you are a low income or low to moderate income worker and during retirement, then your social security payment based on percentage of your income based on what, what you earn yeah. is a fairly high number. So social security will take care of you, he says. Mm-hmm. If you're a higher end worker, you can wait until you're middle age to start saving. And I just th- th- this stuff makes my head explode for a different reason. You know, there's this thing about for me, what if you're wrong, right? Like whenever I think about a strategy, I think about, OK, what's my strategy that's least likely to blow up? I can save too much money, which is a problem that some people have. And we've talked about that. I've gotten yeah. frustrated with people that will not ever experience joy because they're so frugal. But that's you know a minuscule amount of people versus the number of people doing what you're talking about, OG, which are YOLOing and uh, not saving any money. I mean, if 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 this doesn't work, it blows up very badly. It blows up horribly.
1: Why wouldn't you go the other side of it and go backwards even further and say... What possible use could a 16-year-old have with a hundred dollars? Okay, if you're gonna say from twenty-five to forty, you should just be just sparking joy, <laughs> you know, with, buy, your money, buy, buy. with your money, right? Like you should just get up to your eyeballs in debt and you know, finance all of your purchases so that you're beholden to your corporate masters for 40 odd years then why not from 60, why the person should also then be recommending when you don't need the money, you know, when largely mom and dad are paying for everything, you should be working your butt off and saving like crazy. You know, like from 16 to 25 or 16 to when you get your job in college or out of college or whatever, why not be just dumping money into your retirement accounts during that period of time as opposed to saying, well, you, you follow what I'm saying? Like back the study up a little bit. Don't say hey when you're in your 20s. Like say when you're in your when you're 16, start saving 100 dollars in your Roth because that has a huge impact 35 years down the line. But then you run into the problem that, you know, 16-year-olds don't generally also keep their money in the same place for a long time.
3: Are you suggesting that between 16 and 25, save like crazy and then maybe do a little bit of YOLO, let's let's have some fun, but at least you've got that foundation built up?
1: I'm saying that the research air quotes is flawed because they're using cherry data to say well in your 20s you need to spend this money because it helps you have a better attitude in life or whatever the whatever the ultimate rationale is and i'm saying well then by default and and the argument is when you're 45 is when you can save like don't worry about saving money now save when you're 45 it's like well what do you do from 12 to 25 like because i you know there's people have paper routes and ice cream stands and that sort of thing now you don't need the money now. My kids don't need any money. They have food right. provided for them and clothing. And if they're being rational, which is, which is this economics is a really fun topic, but, but it's, <laughs> right. it assumes that everyone is all the time perfectly rational with all of their decision making. It's that study. Like, let's say that I had $100, right? I have $100. I'm going to, Doug, I'm going to give you, but you have to split it with Joe. Whatever you split with Joe, if Joe agrees with your split, you guys get your money. If Joe disagrees with your split, you don't get anything. I'm offering you $100. dollars you got to split it with Joe. What do you offer
3: Joe? And he knows all this, by the way. I was going to say, I'm offering you 20 bucks to not tell Joe about the deal. Yeah. But what, what do you offer him? Well, i got to offer him 50 bucks if he's, if he's got a chance to veto it.
1: All right. Joe, do you accept the split of the 50-50? Yeah. Okay. Now, in reality... If you're doing this as an economic problem, you would say a dollar to Joe. Because economically, Joe is better off with one dollar. A dollar's more money than I would have had before. You, you had zero. So getting a dollar is best. And, and rationally, you're, you're trying to optimize your output. So you would, be, you would try to rat, uh, maximize yours, which is 99. So you give him one. But in reality, people don't act this way. But well, I know Joe really well.
3: He's going to say absolutely not. You got a shot at
1: no. That's my point with all of this is that you know, you're assuming that everything works exactly in a vacuum. And and Joe like you're talking about I think to put a fine point on it here is you know, what if it doesn't work out this way? What if your projections for oh, when I'm in my 40s, that's when I'm going to make all my money. What if you get sick or hurt and you can't work during your 40s? And that was the time you were planning on, you know what I mean? There's too many too many things that can go wrong. With the effort, I'll save later plan,
0: and isn't that the problem we find most often with people that say, "I will use cash flow or credit cards for my emergency fund. I don't need insurance because I'm a safe skier." I don't like people discount the fact that things go wrong; that the plan yeah. doesn't work the way we think it will in our head.
1: Well, and I think also from a planning standpoint, we also have to recognize not only will it go wrong, but it's okay that it goes wrong. You know, that's the other side of it is the emotional aspect that goes with going oh my gosh this isn't the way that i thought it would be and the lockdown that your brain happen you know goes through when you when you think that way you have to assume that it is going to go wrong it's no different than the question of should i do a roth conversion today yeah probably based on what i kind of think about and maybe what a lot of people think about tax rates and so on and so forth probably makes sense but what if it what if they go yeah all those roth monies there's too much there we're going to start charging just a flat 10% well, that's not fair. No, 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 no. You know, well, you made the good decision with the information you had at the at hand twenty years ago. Like we don't know if it's gonna turn out right. We're just trying to make good decisions based on the information that we have. And I think the I think a good decision is to save some money out of your paycheck every single every <laughs> single month, you know, and not just be like, screw it. I'm just gonna live on all of it, regardless of how much you make. And I understand there's people that it's a big struggle, but Save a dollar.
3: Was the study funded by Instagram, maybe? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I, I think I figured it out. By the Mortgage Brokers Association of America.
3: Speaking of
0: ridiculousness, time for our TikTok Minute, guys, because each week on Monday, we profile a TikTok creator who's either saying something brilliant or hashtag brilliant. And today, OG, which one do you think we're bringing you?
1: Hashtag, hashtag.
0: Hashtag brilliant. Let's see. This is, uh, this is Matt Lorian on TikTok
1: to buy a million dollar home for half the price. The thing is you can only do this if you know how to utilize cryptocurrency. So this is the house that I'm going to buy and it costs about 1.4 million. So I'll have to pay around seven grand a month. But for this entire house, the total that I need to pay is 740k and it's because of crypto. For the down payment, I'll have to pay about 20%, which is 290k. With the remaining 450k, I'm going to put that into the anchor protocol. Once I deposit the 450k, it'll yield me 19% per year. That's eighty eight grand a year. Now divide that by twelve months and that's gonna make me seven point
2: three K a month. Just enough to cover the monthly cost of this mansion. After it's paid off, I'll have a one point four million dollar home plus be making seven point three K a month doing nothing. If you wanna learn more about crypto, check out my bio.
3: Yeah, check out his bio I have I have a
1: significant issue with people who say 7.3 (laughs) K
3: because that's how it shows you how many views your video has.
1: (laughs) Well, that, and that's the threshold for, you know, for like where your mind works, I guess. I don't know. I 7.3 (laughs) Ks. It's like, no, that's seven little stacks of money. Oh my I
0: think uh I think though any strategy that's predicated on getting nineteen percent is sustainable.
1: Especially out of crypto. <laughs> like <that is> totally... <laughs> yeah. It's the anchor protocol, Joe. Duh. Like you don't of you course. don't understand the anchor protocol. When
3: was this when was this filmed? Yeah, really? That's a great question. Because I don't think many people are believing that now.
1: I want to reach out to them and be like, hey, hey bro, how's your mortgage payment
3: going? How's that working out for you?
1: First of all, no no banker is gonna lend a kid, a million dollar mortgage on a, uh, crypto portfolio. Like they're gonna be like, <laughs> like how much, how much, uh, uh, upload your bank statements. No, no, no. I got crypto. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Update your, upload your bank statements. I said <laughs> like the actual cash. No, no, this is just as good as cash. Sir declined. <laughs> like,
3: you don't get it. You just don't get it.
1: Yeah.
0: Bruh. Where's your, where's your cash flow going to come from to pay this mortgage? See, I have the anchor protocol.
1: Anchor protocol.
0: You need to subscribe to my program.
1: The anchor protocol
0: coming up next maybe some people that make a little more sense in a time of uncertainty especially if you're in the crypto market there's some uncertainty but there's all kinds of uncertainty geopolitical uncertainty we've got uh uncertainty with job situations for some people we've got of course uh prices a little bit higher marginally higher than they were last year just a little well i love Scotch. to turn <laughs> yeah yeah love to turn to Phil and Danielle town who have a phenomenal podcast called invest at, of course, Phil town has written the uh, New York times bestseller many times over rule. Number one investing and his daughter, Danielle town paired with him to create this fantastic uh, podcast. The two of them together have just worlds of experience. And it's funny. OG. last time. Remember when, when, the pandemic had just begun, and the markets just went through the floor very quickly. Glory we days, yeah. F- we called on oh. Phil Town then, and he and he backed everybody. Oh, remember how great that was? Staying at home all day, having Zoom calls with the family. Uh, we called Phil Town then, and he talked us off the ledge. So maybe he could talk some people off the ledge today. But to get there, Doug, I think you might have some trivia for us.
3: Absolutely, Joe. This is what everybody's been waiting for. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And I can see that it's fall because there's a cornucopia of topics for trivia that happened on this day in history. Is it the sandwich they made in Iran to beat the world record but failed because people started to eat it before they could measure it? Nah. No. Nah. Oh. uh, Well, how about the day we crossed the mark of 300 million people in the United States? Mm, No. Not that one. Nope. All right, how about, we're all huge fans of movies here on this show, so how about we celebrate that it was today in history when IMDb.com was launched?
0: There we go. That's the one. Obviously.
3: Okay, all right, so who could have more movies on IMDb than Marvel? So my question is, what was the first movie Marvel ever made? I'll be back with the answer after I duck into your DMs.
0: Hey, stackers! It's Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend, Nortz, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do. A shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, nords will do anything for you it's just just, i think some of that comes from his time on a submarine like my nephew colin who's on a submarine right now and all the work that uh, he did there just a super giving member of the community and you know what Uh, navy federal credit union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond not this month but every month navy federal offers members only exclusive rates discounts and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want them to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. you got to join and open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st, so get on it, stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open. Maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit navyfederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things. They offer 24-7 help for their U.S.-based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big, Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed.
3: Hey there, stackers. I'm Cider Man and guardian of the fallacy, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Man, am I sick of comic movies, but you know what? I can't blame them. The Avengers made $1.5 billion worldwide. Even X-Men Origins, Wolverine, made almost $400 million, and that movie sucked. And man, if you guessed the answer to today's trivia, Joe's going to send you a t-shirt. No, probably not. Okay, I tried, everybody. What was the first movie Marvel ever made? Well, way back in 1986, it was... Howard the Duck. I tried to give you clues the whole episode. If you didn't get it, it's on you. <laughs> and now, to help you duck trouble in times of uncertainty, Phil and Danielle Town. And I'm so happy they're here
0: with me. The co hosts, the amazing co hosts of the InvestEd podcast, Danielle Town, Phil Town, both here. How are you guys? Hi. We are happy to be Hi, here with you. I feel Good like I feel like Phil. You're like my booty call every time there's things wrong in the market. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not like the three a.m. call. Hey, come over and hang out. It's like Phil. We're trying to get people off the ledge. Last time you and I talked was when we had the big down at the beginning of COVID, and that kind of went the way that you had said it would.
4: It kind of worked, and we ended up with a forty percent return in the next twelve months.
0: Oh, that's a flex. So.
4: <laughs> it was that was fun we were well positioned for that and it all worked out really well the, the only bad thing we did was not get everything into the market we were expecting it to continue to go down more so i was quite wrong about I i just totally never seen anything like what they did when they turned it around but now we're paying the price for that you don't print trillions of dollars in order to offset the impact of a pandemic without some really serious repercussions. And we're starting to see those reflect in the market. And of course, the Federal Reserve is jumping in on board here. And they're going to make our lives a little bit miserable, I think, in the short term.
0: Well, that's what I want to talk to both of you. Phil, you and I have talked a few times. Danielle, you and I, this is our first time together, even though you were on my other podcast with my good friend Bobby Rebel. Tell everybody the story that doesn't know the story of you two working together. How did you guys first form this uh, amazing
2: partnership on the podcast? (laughs) Under protest is how (laughs) we did it. Um, (laughs) So my this is Phil's my dad. And as my dad, he for uh, what dad, like 35 years, talked to me about investing somewhat Mm -hmm. from the the language that made a lot of sense to him. And that language made no sense to me. And anybody who watches the financial channels and quickly turns them away will understand how I felt. I was not interested, and I was afraid of everything he was saying. It sounded scary and (laughs) oblique and confusing. And so finally, after I had been through two market crashes, one when I was graduating college, one when I was in law school, and I became a corporate lawyer, and actually loved it because I got to work with venture capital and startups, I started to realize that I needed to learn what the heck was going on. And I loved these private companies that I worked with, but I did not understand how they related to the public markets. And so I started to ask my dad and at the same time was getting overly, massively stressed from my job and he said, you know, what you need to do is learn to invest. You won't be afraid anymore. And you'll have something to fall back on if you can't continue this corporate job. And I said, OK, fine. But we have to do it on a podcast because otherwise we will not do it. And he said, what's a podcast? <laughs> so I got out my phone and so I showed him the iTunes app on his phone. He said, oh, right. That, OK, got it. And so we sat down and just talked for 20 minutes and recorded it sitting in the living room in Jackson hole. And we both said, Oh, that was maybe kind of interesting. Let's put it out and see what happens. And it hit the top five right away and we were off.
0: Well, it's amazing. There's, you know, uh, Benjamins as, uh, Phil, you know, it's it's 11 years old. You guys have been doing this for a long time as well. What what year did you guys finally, Wow,
2: not that long though. That's impressive.
4: Yeah, you're you're way ahead of us. You're you're way in the pioneer group. Um we, we have three hundred and eighty five yeah. podcasts. So
2: but call started it, call what, it 50 like a year. six years ago, I think.
0: Yeah, six years yeah. ago, which still not nearly so. the crowded field they have they have today. Well, today I wanted to talk to you guys about uncertainty because Phil, like you you mentioned earlier, there's so much going on. Danielle, there's so much uncertainty. And I think you guys kind of nail where the average person is at at the beginning of one of your recent episodes. So for everybody, let's listen to the beginning of the Invested podcast from just a few weeks ago. Here we go.
4: Hey, everybody, this is Phil Town.
2: And this is Danielle Town.
4: Welcome to the Invested podcast. We are deep in the weeds of doing Warren Buffett-style investing,
2: which and has trying us- trying to handle this uh, up-and-down craziness market while remaining emotionally- Filled with equanimity and calm, and maybe even becoming more anti-fragile by knowing ourselves better.
0: I want I want just everybody to hear that. Because I think they think of the two of you as the experts. And Danielle, you nailed what I think everybody out there's feeling, right? We're trying to be calm. We're trying to have this equanimity. And yet, to your point, it's it's so difficult. Tell me a little bit, Danielle, about riding this emotional roller coaster as we keep getting all this, you know geopolitically, news from Ukraine and everywhere else. Politically, we can't agree on the facts in the United States, wherever you read, right? We're craziness there, social media craziness. We've got inflation, to Phil's point earlier, through the roof. We got a stock market that's bouncing around like a ping pong ball. We got crypto going through the floor. Where is the certainty? Tell me about your emotions as somebody who now has done this podcast for six years.
2: I got to say, I'm feeling pretty good. It's fantastic. The antidote to all of that fear, and that's what it all is, it's confusion, it's fear, it's noise, it's information out there that either you have some clue about or none at all, and all of that just feels scary. And so the antidote that I found to that is to start to learn just enough in things that I'm interested in to start to be able to learn the language and understand the language that's being used, and then find places to put my money or not, depending on your decisions, and both are good, that have some meaning to me. I call it a mission in a company. So that that is a company that's doing good things in the world. So the same way that I try to buy from good companies as a consumer, I also try to buy from good companies with my investing money. And that combination for me of Knowledge and things that I'm interested in and feeling like I'm doing more with money than simply trying to make more of it makes this become, as I sort of was stumbling around saying there, a a bigger practice than just, oh, I need to like go and buy a stock today. That doesn't interest me. What interests me is knowing more about myself, becoming a better person, taking care of my family. And being calm as these waves roll around me, as the vicissitudes of life, as Charlie Munger says, come up and down. And I think you cannot ask for a better feeling than that. And I have to say, as crazy as it sounds, turning investing into something I treat as a practice has created that feeling for me. And it's shocking and wonderful. And I highly recommend it. How much time do you spend on that practice in a week? It really varies. It really varies. So some weeks I spend a lot of time because I get really obsessed with a company or a uh, industry or a topic. And it's, i don't want to do anything else so i mean i'm still doing other work and stuff but i try to basically fit it in wherever i can so maybe that's 20 30 40 hours maybe it's an entire weekend and i cancel everything i'm doing because it's so much fun to learn about uh today i was reading about this botox competitor named daxify that just got approved by the fda like totally random stuff That may end up being an interesting investment. And now I know all about Botox and how long it works. It's very interesting. (laughs) And then other weeks, it's a horrific struggle. And I spend my 10 minutes in the morning checking in on kind of like business news, investing news, world news, whatever. And I hate every second of it. And I say to myself, you know what, I showed up, and that's all I need to do. And I go on and I do something else. And I think what matters is the showing up, the intentionality, and being aware of my own feelings, my own response, and then letting it go. And if that means I don't do anything that day or that week, I'm completely fine with that.
0: I love this idea of the intentionality and about checking in, because I feel like having mm-hmm. that frequency and keeping the heartbeat is so important and not really for your money as much as it is about what money represents. Like you guys talk in your last episode exactly. about this isn't really about money. This is about getting more of what you value. And Phil, while my head goes, Danielle's right. And having this objective idea that uh, that knowledge is power I still see the bottom line on my statement big guy going down and it's hard to, it's hard to keep that in check. Like over the years, how in times like this, do you keep that in check?
4: Some people kind of think that what we do is, is trying to time the market, right? To be in the market when it's going up and out of the market, when it's going down, as if we would know how to do that and we don't, but we, we basically follow what Buffett has been teaching for 60 years. And that is that we try to. Find wonderful businesses and then we try to buy them when they're on sale. And this process is an incredible emotional anchor. Joe, it's like exactly if you follow this process, what happens inevitably is that the market being in a being a market, right? It starts to go up, more people jump in and they want it to go up farther, and more money chases stocks and they start going up farther and further. And if you have Ownership of something and it starts to become way overpriced. Then we sell into that market. The way Buffett puts it is that what we want to do is we want to participate with Mr. Market, who's this, who's this sort of manic depressive person who at times gets so manic and so irrationally exuberant that our partner will pay us any crazy number for what he's trying to buy. He'll name great prices out there for us to sell to. And so we will sell to Mr. Market when when he's offering us a price well above the value of this business, then we're a seller and we will then go to cash. And then over a period of time, Mr. Market will go through a normal fluctuation and become depressed. And when he becomes depressed, he wants to sell us he wants instead of buying stuff from us at a really high price he wants to sell us stuff at a really low price and that that process just keeps us so grounded it it's like we got way into cash before covid struck because not because we saw covid coming but because everything was super high priced and then it hit and we were able to buy back a lot of the same companies at a super cheap price we saw the same thing coming in January this year and got way into cash selling off much of what we bought during the COVID thing and going to cash and then waiting patiently. And we're still waiting. We're, we're not buying a lot right now. The market is tumbling, but think of the emotional equanimity you have. If you have cash when the markets are going down. Okay. That's, that's a big help. Now we're not completely in cash. We own some businesses, And the ones that we own, we didn't sell back in January because they weren't completely at their value. They had come up, but they weren't all the way back to intrinsic value. And so we looked at one company and said, well, we love this company. We think it's worth maybe 50% more than what it's currently being priced at in the market. Let's keep this. And if it goes down by 50%, let's buy a bunch more of it. And so we're completely happy to have the thing go down. We'll buy more with the cash that we got from the companies that we sold. And if it goes up, then great. So it's like the system that Warren Buffett taught just takes care of your emotions. It it doesn't leave you wondering what to do at all. We don't try to figure out what the market's doing. We just say, okay, I've got this list of companies I really would like to own. I got a shopping list and none of them are on sale, and the ones that I own are completely crazy priced, I'm going to start selling them. But I've yeah, the been equanimity, doing that over and over for 40 years.
2: The equanimity does not come from magical thinking. The equanimity, as you just said, comes from knowing what a good company is and what a good price is for that company. Yeah. And when you know that, you can just sit back and wait for that price to show up, and then you buy Jill, it because you, you know you it's a good have company. To
4: be, yeah, you don't have to be perfect about it. I mean, we're we're not trying to buy a company at the lowest price it ever got to and hope that that happens. We just know that this thing is reasonably valued. If we if just basic understanding that it's going to be bigger in a bunch of years. And if it's priced in a way that I can, I can get a, let's say, for example, if it's priced so that the, the cash yield coming off of this company, the cash that I'd put in my pocket, if I were owning the whole company, if that's 10%, Of the price that the market wants to sell it to me for, that's a pretty good deal. That's like a bond that's paying you 10%. And it's going to pay you that 10% theoretically, whether it goes down in price or up in price, it doesn't matter. It's just going to keep paying you 10%. And what we find is that if we know these businesses well enough to say, very likely this thing's going to be a lot bigger down the road, and we can buy it with that kind of a yield it's It's a super good price, and I mean think about it, if you could buy real estate, pay cash for a house, let's say you pay five hundred thousand dollars for a house, and you could rent that house out so that after you paid taxes and maintenance and had a had a little fund to replace the refrigerator, after you took care of the expenses of it, and it was and there's still fifty thousand dollars left in your pocket, you would have stolen that house fabulous that would be like fabulous holy crap wouldn't that be a great deal? And we buy companies at that price. That's, that's what we like to do. We like to buy businesses like Apple or Google or Boeing or you name the company. We like to buy them when they're that cheap. And we know they can go down more, but what the heck, man, if I'm buying a $10 bill for $5 and it goes down to $4, I'm not going to whine.
0: Well, to your point, Phil, you're not, you're not trying to time the market. You're just trying to find a deal right? I mean, if you're trying to time the market, I think you're in trouble. And I think, Danielle, what it sounds like you and your dad are both saying is that where everybody else is looking at uncertainty, this uncertainty fuels opportunity. Is this fundamentally where most of us are getting it wrong?
2: Yeah, I think the fear comes from, and as, as you hear from people constantly, it comes from the uncertainty. And so having the knowledge of how to price a company in a reasonable zone. It's not going to be perfect, sure, but in right. a reasonable zone and just watching the market slowly get to that price. It's actually really fun it, in a kind so- of sick way because everyone around you was having a hard time. <laughs> and I hate to say that, but it's kind of, I remember when it was dropping <laughs> in March, 2020 with COVID and I was like in, you know, hog heaven and, Everybody else was freaking out. And I called my dad and I was like, everybody else is freaking out. Am I doing something wrong here? Should I be freaking out? He said, nope, you're doing the right thing. You're just waiting for the price. But this is where um, some people it was though- a lovely experience.
0: <laughs> but some people are freaking out though, Danielle, because they're losing their job, right? I mean, they're freaking out about of this. Of course. They're freaking out about this other stuff. I think this speaks to also what you guys talked about in this recent episode, is the quicker you can get to more financial footing, secure financial footing- the better because you don't want to be freaking out about losing your job.
2: Yeah. It's terrifying. I wasn't freaking out about losing my job, but I was freaking out that I wouldn't be able to keep working because Mm. I was so ill at the time, back when I was just starting to talk to my dad about investing that I didn't know if I could keep up the rigor of this corporate big law firm life, which was just insane hours constantly, like 90 hour weeks. And That experience that maybe there was something that could kind of be my side hustle just gave me the feeling that I was going to be okay, even if the worst happened and I wasn't able to keep doing that job. And what ended up happening, and this is like the crazy thing that I think happens when you start to look at investing as a practice and start opening up your life, is that things came to me that I would have never (laughs) expected or planned In terms of life opportunities and changes, I ended up getting married, moving to Switzerland, selling my house, first moving in with my mom, then getting engaged, (laughs) getting married, and writing a book about the entire experience and about investing – I couldn't have thought of any of that in a million trillion years, and in fact, if you had like suggested it when I was twenty-five, I would have said I do not want to do that at all. Hard pass. Period.
0: Not happening. Yeah,
2: exactly. So you know, Joe, is, saying, I've heard this what? from so many people who we talk to, and Dad, you can talk to it too. That just life opens in a different way, and and the mm-hmm. universe starts to give you opportunities you may have never expected.
4: I mean, I'm a total believer in this concept of Dharma that you're, you're on, you're on the planet for a purpose and that kind of reveals itself over time in your life. The problem a lot of people have is they, they don't give, they don't have the financial capacity to follow what they feel like they ought to be doing. Mm -hmm. And you're sort of stuck, right? And you stay stuck because you can see down the road, if I don't stay stuck where I am, I am really going to be in financial difficulty down the road. I mean, right now, if you're 45 years old and you want to live a $100,000 a year lifestyle, you better plan on having $2.5 million in the bank when you get to be 65. And that's just way out of reach for most people because they're kind of stuck into a kind of an investing strategy built by Wall Street for the benefit of Wall Street and not for the benefit of you. I mean, this what I see on TV when they start talking about Hey, you know, get a hold of this company and we'll help you figure out your wonderful retirement. It's sort of like financial pornography. I mean, it's fake. They, they can't help most of the people who are out there. And you can see the ads all the time out there. It's like, Hey, if you have $500,000, we'd like to talk to you about helping you with your retirement. Yeah. If you got a hundred grand, piss off, you know, because we, <laughs> we don't, we're not going to bother with you for two reasons. First, we can't make enough money. And second, you're hopeless. We can't help you get to where you want to go. Yeah, yeah. Only you, it turns out, can help you get to where you want to go. And I think Danielle's generation, these millennials, are pretty are, are perhaps more motivated by getting to some kind of financial security and financial independence by the time they're, say, 50 years old than any generation that's come before them. But the financial services industry has no answers over there, Joe. They They don't know how to tell you anything except – Save about 75% of the money you're earning, yeah, and you can also retire. Who who wants to live like that for for the first 30 years of your adulthood? So they don't have an answer. And the answer, interestingly enough, is right there with this old, wonderful, geezer, Warren Buffett at 90 years old, and an even more geezery guy, Charlie Munger, is 97, I think now. These guys actually have the answer. I mean, they can tell you how to invest and, and, and to do it right. And we know from our experience of 40 years now and from other people's experience for the last 60, 70, 80, 90 years, this path is well beaten and you can go down it and get to financial independence. You just gotta, you just gotta learn how to do it. It's not rocket science. There's two big
2: problems with that though. One, I hear them both from people and I have lived both of them. One is I don't have enough time. And the second is I don't have any money to invest. And both those things are real. Like you're not going to magically end up with a bank account with money and you're not going to magically get more time. So the two answers that I have to that is one, the time to learn to invest and to start to learn about companies and what's going on in them and pricing them is when you have no money, because then you won't be tempted to go out and spend that money before you're ready. Right. So start to learn, get it going. It's like the emotional power that gives you to not be able to go buy anything is not to be overlooked and as somebody who then i guarantee you will then start to make more money as you start to get into this and think about it and as the life opportunities start to open up you will be really happy that you started early and then secondly oh and make sure that you do it only with things that you're interested in and that add to your life and that are really fun, like learning about Botox competitors. <laughs> and then. Cause
0: that's what, that's what I worry problem, about all the time. That's exactly. Yeah, Botox.
2: Yeah. The second <laughs> well, problem is it. that you I don't need have any time. And the answer to that is do what's interesting, as I just said. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, she's so right about that.
4: When, when I first started, I was a river guide and I knew nothing about nothing except I knew actually a lot about sleeping bags and I knew about. You knew you know, about motorcycles. You always tell me Motorcycles. Motorcycles. Yeah, at Harley. And you knew about guns. I knew about guns because I'd been in a soldier and I knew about v- cruise ships, oddly, because we river guides in the Grand Canyon dreamed about going on a cruise ship and letting somebody else take care of <laughs> us all day long. I bet, <laughs> I bet <you laughs> So did. I learned about cruise ships and that that was more than enough starting point for me to get passionate about some things i just didn't know those things were all public companies i had no idea
2: i think people have the feeling that it's hard but it's not and it's not supposed to be so if it feels hard stop doing it if it feels <laughs> easy that's the sweet spot that's where you want to be yeah. like go i used to like walk the aisles at whole foods in boulder colorado and learn about all the various natural foods items and Lo and behold, it turns out that's an entire industry filled with fascinating companies that you can buy on the public stock market. And I knew about a lot of them simply because I was trying to find, you know, whatever the latest fad, awesome food thing was. I just love the fact, listening
0: to both of you talk on your show and also talking now, that you guys are interested in two totally different, you know, things. Totally and there's not different. one not one magic approach. I mean, you can both be just mm-hmm. follow your own interest in your own passion. And by the way, Phil, my, my spouse, Cheryl just got off the, uh, a rafting trip with some friends. I had to go to a conference. So unfortunately I couldn't go down the, the river through the grand Canyon. And I don't know if you she saw, just but just went down. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you saw though, a week after she went down, some people died on that trip. Like that, that it can get serious there in a hurry.
4: No, oh, it is. It is, can be quite serious quite suddenly. Yeah. In fact, that's how I ended up as an investor is that I nearly killed all these guys in my boat, they, they were on an outward bound, they were outward bound trustees. And I ended up, it turned out my raft had a problem with it. And I didn't know, but we got swept into the biggest worst rapid on the river called crystal. Ask, ask your wife about crystal. It, it, if you go over to the left side of crystal, you could die real easily. And we got swept all the way over there and just drove the boat up against the wall. There's a cliff over there. And it happens that there's a ramp of granite that goes around the wrap around the drop it's a 35 foot drop and it goes around it like a ramp and we went around the drop and came out the other side and when we got over to the beach the first guy out of the boat threw up and the next guy out of the boat gave me this giant bear hug and said you saved my life and he ended up being my mentor into this world wow so you never know yeah. Where things are going to take you. Hey, I got to ask you guys <laughs> no two
0: kind of rapid fire questions as we wrap this up. Uh a number right. one, Phil, I'm going to ask you about this. Joe, I always hate
4: to leave. I hate to leave, Joe. We have so much fun out with you every
0: single time we're on this time. call. I'm like, can you just be a Stacking Benjamin's co-host all the time? But I want to ask you about interest rates, because as we're recording this, you know, the Fed just jacked them up again, three quarters of a point. Uh, Jeffrey Gundlach, the big bond manager, says it's like, you know, people doing shots at a bar and everybody's telling these people doing shots they need to calm down and have some water. And Gundlach says the Fed needs to take a water break, but they're not going to do it. He thinks they're going to keep going and they're going to overshoot. Do you believe, too, that the Fed's going to overshoot here and maybe make things worse?
4: I think what's going to happen is, and I'll give you, I'll give you Ray Dalio's projection because I'm no kind of great macro investor, as I just told you guys, but Dalio is the best macro investor in the world. And his view just came out a couple of weeks ago. He, he's never been this specific in his life that I'm aware of saying that interest rates will rise to about 5% to 6% and stay there for a decade, which puts mortgage rates at 9% or so, maybe 10. Um, that bonds, like 10-year T-bill, be around 5 to 6%, um, which is double where it is right now, or sure. almost double. It's coming yeah. up toward 4% right now. And we will be in this condition of trying to walk a very narrow line for a very long time to get ourselves out of the inflation that was built up over the last few years. And the impact of that on the stock market is going to be very negative, and we should expect to see a market much like was in the 1970s a kind of stagflation market that goes up and down. Again, I'm I'm terrible at predicting these things, but it, the writing is really getting on the wall that the feds are going to keep the pressure on until inflation subsides, and they're going to find that it's pretty hard to make it subside since so much money's floating around. So the result is probably going to be a sideways market for a long, long time. And the kind of what can happen in that market for you and me and, and Danielle and people who can invest the way Buffett's teaching us is that you can create generational wealth in that kind of market. It is the best kind of market for us to create really, really big rates of return. So, you know, the opportunity, as you were saying, you know, you got these problems, but the opportunities can be gigantic. And I think they will be. Well,
0: and on that note, uh, Danielle, are you still in in, uh, Switzerland? Yeah,
2: I live in Zurich.
0: You know, we're seeing this inflation here. I'm reading about inflation around the world. You're seeing central banks around the world crank things up. Does this change your approach? Do you start looking at things, or have you always looked at things on a global level versus just U.S.-centric companies? Does all of this tightening and inflation around the world change your approach at all?
2: It doesn't change my approach at all. That said, certainly living outside of the U.S. has opened up my horizons as to companies that I look at, simply because investing is so personal for me and so companies, products, services that I use are things that I'm interested in. So I go and I find out about them. But as far as the macro view, I don't find it to be that helpful. It's interesting. It's kind of good to know roughly what's happening. But the process here is to find a wonderful company and choose the price I want to buy it at. And then Wait for that price to happen. So you're
0: not looking under different rocks because of the global nature of this?
2: The only reason one would do that is if you had a wish list of great companies that you've already found and maybe a certain portion of them are under a rock that you hadn't looked at in a couple of years. And maybe now that rock has become uh lighter and you're more interested in what's under that rock. And you can go back and do a bit more research and, and maybe look at them a bit more just because, Oh, maybe they would be closer to my price at this point. So maybe there's something I could do sooner about
4: them I, I think we're, we're pretty us centric North American centric. We do Canadian stuff too. And my only point there is and i think danielle's doing the same thing is like i want to buy stuff that i can get to that i can go see the company and see what they're doing and i also think that when the united states gets a cold the rest of the world gets pneumonia
0: we're seeing it right now
4: yeah and you're seeing it now in the third world just the fact that the u.s dollar is getting stronger rather than weaker and gold is going down is such an anomaly but it's happening because the other currencies are weaker and they're not being as aggressive to shore up their currency and to, to get interest rates up. And as a result, the third world is experiencing some incredible pressures as the dollar goes higher and higher. They got to get their stuff in dollars and it's just turning into inflation madhouse. So. We're we're gonna see a lot of ramifications from that. I don't have any doubt, but it I'm very comforted that I'm investing in the US area.
0: Speaking of comforted, I always feel comforted when I when I talk to you, Phil. And I feel very comforted having Danielle on and this has been so much fun. You guys know it's just the three of us here in mom's basement chatting. Nobody ever listens to this thing. What's a secret <laughs> thing nobody knows that's coming up on Invest Ed? Like tell us a little give us a little something here. <laughs>
4: As if we know.
2: So the secret is that we have no clue until we press record. Oh, that's so Last famous. time we recorded, we said to each other, hey, let's talk about it. Basically what we've talked about today. Let's talk about the market dropping and, yeah. you know, all the fear that people are. Let's let's talk about that because people are probably interested. We didn't even like touch on that subject we just went off and started talking about like dad's river trips and, <laughs> right. i don't know i
0: don't even know <laughs> kind of like, um, like we did today right yeah yeah but, i mean it, I, I think,
2: think i love so this kind of
4: podcast around this is the kind I life to. and
2: values and <laughs> what to do with my like it just happens
4: that's yep, fabulous just us in mom's basement joe
2: it is
0: fabulous phil danielle thanks for hanging out with us again uh let's go Great hopefully stack you. a bunch more benjamins yeah good seeing you
4: Yeah, Yeah. you too, man.
1: I'm Rocky Lalvani, the profit answer man. And when I'm not helping small businesses stack Benjamins for themselves, I'm stacking Benjamins for myself.
0: Every time, OG, voice a reason where there is a struggle, uh, there is also opportunity. It's not what happens. This too shall pass. Yeah, it's how you look at the world. And we've, you know, we talked to Jason Pfeiffer a couple of weeks ago about change and about things moving. And obviously some people very much struggling, but if you're somebody who is not one of those people and you're just living in fear, it's a world of opportunity going by. Hey, let's uh, throw up the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, OG, they put what you value first.
1: Getting on a plane and going to San Diego. Because that's where I'm I'm headed as soon as this this thing prints.
0: As soon as we're done. Oh, that sounds lovely. How is it in San Diego? 75 and sunny. Isn't that like every day of the year? Probably. It's 75 and sunny.
3: It's amazing. (laughs) Easiest job on TV is the weatherman in San Diego. It's
0: fantastic. It's your loved ones in your time, but even better in San Diego. That's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. So you can uh, head for some of that phenomenal cuisine down there. I love what they're doing at Haven Life because they're committed to offering a modern way to buy life insurance. Their application's simple. It's online. You get an instant coverage decision. Prices are affordable and all their policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, more than a 160-year-old insurer. Fantastic customer support. But more than that, I think you should just go experience it because everybody knows that when bad things happen, we don't know when bad things are going to happen. So uh, get this stuff done, people. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to our new friend, Tom. Say hi, Tom.
1: Hi, Joe and OG. I have a question on wash sales. I am considering performing some false cleanup on my taxable investment accounts. Can you help me understand more about wash sales? What triggers them? And who makes the ultimate determination if two ETFs or mutual funds are considered a wash? Keep up the great podcast. Thanks.
0: Yeah. Hey, thanks, Tom. First of all, what's a wash sale?
1: So what Tom's talking about here is taking some capital losses at the end of the year. So you bought a hundred thousand dollars worth of stock today. It's worth 80. If you sell that, you get to hang on to that minus 20. You can use it to offset any other capital gains that you have throughout the year on any other types of investments or, uh, use up to 3000 of it every year to kind of offset, uh, your income. And so you got this basically, you know, 20 grand in the, in the bank, so to speak, as it relates to, uh, the IRS. So the problem is, is that if you sell it and then you turn around and buy it again, the IRS is like, you didn't really do that. (laughs) You're just trying to take advantage of the system. So to heck with you. They don't count that sale then as a loss for for tax purposes. So you got to wait 30 days. So on the 31st day, you can rebuy it. And it's really simple when it's uh, individual stock because you could, you know, you say, well, I'm selling Apple and I'm going to buy Google. Those are different companies, right? I'm selling Apple and I'm going to buy Tesla. I'm selling Apple and I'm going to buy General Motors. These are all different, different ways to have your money still invested, but, but not have a wash sale. The problem that you run into is if you buy something that's materially similar and the IRS doesn't give any guidance on that, that is entirely up to you or their audit team when they come and audit you to decide whether or not what you bought was materially similar and, uh, or substantially similar, I think is the wording. So you have to decide whether or not the S&P 500 fund from Vanguard is the same thing as the S&P 500 fund from iShares. And if you think that it's not similar two different companies, whatever, then have at it. If you think it's too similar, then find something that's dissimilar, in your opinion. Maybe, you know, instead of having the S&P 500, buy the Russell 1000 growth and the Russell 1000 value. Yeah, I don't know. But the major thing is what you're talking about is, I think, Joe, is to make sure that you don't leave the money sitting in cash because that's the other alternative, right? You could sell your S&P fund and just let it sit in cash for the next 30 days. But with the market being volatile, that could turn out to be a wise decision. You know, it could go down between now and the middle of November, or it could go skyrocketing up. And meanwhile, you're sitting here holding on to cash. So you don't want to just sell it and let it sit in cash. You want to find something that that you can invest in.
0: And the longer that that money sits in cash, OG, you and I know you're yeah. much more likely to begin playing games. You're much more likely to, ah, maybe I'll eh, leave, maybe no, I'll wait. Well, eh, I heard this, this does, news. Doesn't
1: feel, doesn't feel so great. They're gonna, maybe I'll wait until once the, then I'll, you know, yeah. you don't do that. The specific answer is no one rules on the substantially identical property uh, except you or your CPA that's your judgment call.
0: Well, until it reaches the IRS, right? I mean, if the I Oh chief, the IRS comes
1: after you though. I mean, then it's your rule versus then it's the auditor's definition of what is substantial. Whatever the identical. auditor thinks. I think it's been largely accepted that if it's a different ticker symbol and it's a different company that it's not similar. Anecdotally.
0: And we are not your CPA. Yeah.
1: If it concerns you, then, then buy a different company. And there's a lot of ways that you can get exposure using our S and P example. There's a lot of ways you can get exposure to the 500 biggest companies in the United States.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you for the question, Tom. You have a question for us, maybe another text question or maybe a benefits question here at the end of the year, Uh, bring them, whatever it might be. Stacking Com slash voicemail. And we will send you a shirt. A greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt, our fabulous circus tee for being brave and calling in and helping other stackers. Hey, that's going to do it for today. We've got a lot of fun coming up uh, this week on Wednesday. Uh, we are going to be on Instagram, Instagram Live. Doug joined me again last Wednesday on Instagram and hilarity ensued. So if you'd like to hang out with us, also from time to time, we will record headline interviews on fireside and we did one of those last week so if you download the fireside app you can search for my name Joe Saul see and you'll see when uh when i'm going to be going live those are whenever we can get the guest and that allows you to ask some of our headline guests whatever questions you might have but if you're not here for hanging out on fireside or watching doug and i laugh it up on Instagram. You are concerned about the market and the chat around a recession on the horizon. That's why you even listened today because of Phil and Danielle town and all of our discussion. Well, OG and his team put together a free guide that shares eight moves to make in a down market. This guy will help you plan more and panic less, no matter what the market does head over to stacking Benjamins.com slash guide that dot slash guide. And get this helpful free guide from OG. So thanks for that, OG. Uh, That's going to do it for today. Doug, man, you got it from here. What should
3: we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from Phil and Danielle Town. When the stock market gets low, that's when you get the shovel out on your giant Scrooge McDuck pile of money in the vault and start buying. Boy, there's a lot of ducks on this episode. Second, it's dawning on me that crypto is just a Ponzi scheme starring Matt Damon. The big lesson? I'm not certain about much, but I am certain about this. Howard the Duck was a terrible movie. If you ever doubt your ability to glow up, just know that Marvel started there and ended up at Disney. So there's your moment of affirmation. You are good enough, darn it. Thanks to Phil and Danielle Town for joining us today. To learn more about their work, including their hit podcast, Invested, go to RuleOneInvesting.com. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, Check out the 201 Deep Dives written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now.
2: Welcome to the after show.
0: What happens in the after show stays in the after show. Apparently I made a mistake and I talked about the after show. Say there it a, ain't so, Joe. I know. They were talking about that in the basement that I mentioned the after show during the main part of the show. I, I screwed up my own game, but. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, you're bound to, bound to follow it up after 1300 episodes. From,
0: from, from time to time, we will talk about what we're watching on movies and TV. A lot of people. Talk Star Wars. A lot of people watching Star Wars and wondering about the latest Star Wars. I, th- I think it's it's a lot of people that are in my feed anyway. It's their favorite thing to fight about. Is it good? Is it not good? Well, here's the latest one on Disney Plus. It's called Andor.
1: To steal from the Empire, you just walk in like you belong. They're so proud of themselves so fat and satisfied. They can't imagine that someone like me
3: would ever get inside their house. Cassianander. and the Empire is choking us so slowly.
4: We're starting not to notice. What I'm asking is this, wouldn't you rather give it all
3: to something real?
0: This is the uh, prequel story to the hit Disney movie, Rogue One, a controversial movie that they made right after Disney purchased the Star Wars universe from George Lucas. It's uh, the prequel to the whole Star Wars movie saga. Like, how did they even get to this point? And if you don't know anything about Rogue One, I think I'll leave the spoiler uh, for you. Go watch Rogue One. I thought it was a great, fantastic. Did either of you guys see Rogue One?
3: Yeah.
1: No. Yeah, it's like the movie that's like the like three and a half. It's like episode three and a half.
0: Yeah, like literally when they when they uh when the movie finishes, the movie finishes with all of a sudden
1: Leia and Darth Vader, which is where, you know The intro of episode four starts.
0: Yeah, where things begin. Yeah, that's the you... only
1: good part of the entire movie.
0: Oh no no oh Mike, are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> yeah, the last like basically fast forward to the end, watch the last seven minutes. No that's the only part. No, I
0: thought Rogue One was one of the better movies in the entire universe. I thought it was fantastic. And
3: Wait, in the whole universe or in that movie's universe? That
0: movie's universe. I think in the Star Trek okay, universe, good. I thought Rogue One is absolutely <laughs> fantastic.
3: Yeah. You didn't yes, like
0: it at the all. In Star Trek
1: you? universe, you are correct.
0: Well, Doug, out of all the things I've known about you, I didn't know you're not a Star Wars fan.
3: I'm not... I don't hate it. It's not, I'm not like anti-Star Wars. It just never grabbed me. Uh. Uh, you know, I watched the the three episodes that came out when I was a kid, and yeah, I was into it then because it was just so groundbreaking visually and everything else. You go back and watch them now, and you're like, you were impressed by that. Those, you know, the the special effects. But at the time, yeah, it was groundbreaking. But ever since then. It's just not my sci-fi has never been my thing. You do know that about me. Sci-fi has never been my thing.
0: I do. And it's been mine and captivated me. Like, of course, you look at the numbers of people that watch this stuff and uh, captivates a lot of us. I really, really, really liked this. Of course, OG, I liked Rogue One. So I'm predisposed to like it. What's interesting is our friend, uh, JD Roth, who's one of the OG, speak about OG, OG bloggers out there. He uh, had the blog and has the blog, Get Rich Slowly. JD and I fight about Star Wars all the time. He and I totally agree on Andor, but what he likes about it is so far we're on episode five of what I think is going to be six. Cause it sure seems like we're coming in for a landing now. The um, no, no Jedi, no Jedi, none of the magic stuff, just this gritty determination of these people that can't stand the, the empire who are banding together to go do something that seems really, really stupid Seems, seems really, really tough what they're, what they're getting themselves into. And I like these, I like those stories. The unlikely heroes going in to disrupt this big, huge machine. Pretty cool. The other thing I like about it, there are people working for the empire who are not completely on board. And, you know, in the original movies, especially you just get the empire's this big evil machine, but there's gotta be people under the hood. There's real people under the hood who are, you know, making stuff happen And so it shows the political infighting between some of the people that are, you know, mid-level management people in the empire. (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me, Doug, did you play this video, this old video game back in the day? Uh, I think you did. I think you and I both played it. No one lives forever.
3: That doesn't bring a bell. Kate
0: Archer. It's an Austin Powers kind of universe feel, but there's this woman who's this underpowered secret agent And she always says the
3: funniest stuff. Yeah, I vaguely remember. Was that on the PC? Did you and I do that on the PC maybe? Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. And remember, she would sneak up on bad guys, which
0: was, you know, she had to sneak up on people because she wasn't that strong. But she would sneak up around the corner and you'd hear these two henchmen talking and one says to the other one, have you told your mom, have you come clean to her about what we are? Guy goes, you mean bad guys in a video game? (laughs) (laughs)
3: it was just it's so yeah it was so funny and he's like good writing in that
0: he's like how do you how do you come clean with your mom well i just told her you know it's got a great 401k match and i get all the benefits and and i'm done by midway through the game like any second now (laughs) you know the good people are gonna (laughs) pop up and and sure enough it was me and yeah and we get rid of the bad that's funny but it's kind of you know this wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But this, this, there's no winking, there's no nudging. It is just gritty. Uh, uh, I, I don't know, man. I loved it, OG. I thought it was great. But if you don't like Rogue One, this is this is the this is the prequel to Rogue One. So you
3: probably won't like this one either. Okay, good to know. I'd rather have talked about OG's suggestion in this after show, which is what books are we reading? Well, too late. Another time. Next time. Because the show's over, folks. Instead, we just got to hear Joe tell us about a movie that I don't like. Perfect.
0: Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And, of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly Navy federal offers member only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit Navy federal.org slash celebrate. And you'll see all their military appreciation month offers and other Navy federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like best cities after service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses, To support military families, so much going on, just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender.